A lot of talk about the Vikings trading up for a quarterback, but what if they went all the way up to pick three? Let's talk about that and all your other questions on a Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, welcome to Locked On Vikings Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal in the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. You can find this daily podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts, be it an audio medium. We're on all of those, as well as YouTube. Even Amazon Fire or Roku just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today is Twitter Tuesday. That means I am answering your questions as submitted to me via Twitter at Luke Brown NFL or at Locked On Vikings. You can also send an email to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com or fill out the Google form in the show notes if you so choose. You can even leave a YouTube comment. I'll probably see it as well. And the first one I am going to answer today comes from Skull Page, who asks, what would a trade package to three cost and would you do it? Okay, so this is like the talk of the day, I guess, is the idea of trading up to pick number three for a quarterback. It really depends on who is available. Um, that's going to be what it is. And and which guy is which, which guy has to fall, which guy, you know, oh, you bag it if that guy gets taken. I don't know. That's kind of the Vikings board. They're going to keep that very close to the chest. But um Basically, I think this is a big deal right now because Josh Norris had it in a mock uh, and there was some other kind of speculation about, hey, you know, the Vikings, they've been sniffing around quarterbacks. They're maybe thinking about moving up. Maybe they move up a little higher than we thought. Um, And sure, anything's possible, right? It's a long way to go. It would require quite the investment. What would a trade package to three cost? Well, actually, Marco Pavloni asked a question that I think comes up with a pretty good suggestion here. It says, in the past, uh, we've seen teams lower in the draft trading for a higher pick to prepare for another trade-up on draft day. Vikings could conceivably package Daniil and their one to get to, say, pick 13 and then trade up to three on draft day. Uh, With that particular suggestion, I I would reject the idea of trading Daniil Hunter. A, I just don't think that's a good idea. I think he's a very good player at an incredibly good value. I don't really think that there's any flip for assets you can do that gets... Uh, more out of those assets than you would get by simply keeping Daniel Hunter on the team. But also his contract, because it was so recently restructured, is not very tradable. You could like, I think you'd have to post June designate it, which means you can't do it as part of this draft. Um, Like you'd you'd have to wait till June 1st to do that trade. Otherwise, it costs you 5 million to trade Daniel Hunter away. I need to say that again, because I I see this uh, suggestion a lot. It will cost you money to trade Daniel Hunter. You will not save cap space. It will cost you cap space to trade Daniel Hunter. So you will lose Daniel Hunter and you will lose money. There is no upside. You, you better be giving me two first round picks if I'm doing that, right? Um, so I don't think that that's in the cards. But in general, something like uh, Z- Zadarius Smith or D- Dalvin Cook maybe helping you put together a, uh, a trade package up to 13 and then going to three. I think it would be something like that. I think at the ultimately though, I would be surprised surprised if you could get up to three and still maintain any of your first round picks between this year, next year, and the year after that. Uh, and you're probably giving up more than that to move up that high. That The the curve gets so steep up there. Um, 
And I think the only way I would be okay with that, which I could be okay with that, is if it is specifically C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, who I think will go 1-2. I would actually be pretty surprised if they didn't go 1-2. There is some stuff about Anthony Richardson going first overall. I wouldn't necessarily hate that for the Panthers, uh, but I don't think that it's going to happen. I think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young both come in as immediate, day one, quality starting quarterbacks, with the chance to get even better if they can clean up a little thing here or there. But I, I think those guys are both really exciting rookies that should start for both of those teams week one for the Panthers and Texans. If one of those teams decides to go with Richardson instead, chase the ceiling, I get it. And that would be the time when I start sniffing around that Cardinals pick and say, okay, what is it? What is this going to take? Right? Maybe I do trade up to 12 with the Texans and then trade up again to third to three with the Cardinals or something like that. Maybe I can do this as two separate trades because moving from three down to 23 is probably too much for the Cardinals. But I also know the Cardinals are deep in a rebuild right now and they probably want to amass a whole ton of assets. So like some kind of mega deal trade down, moving down 20 spots, still getting a first round pick and setting yourself up. I mean, the cards are, are probably blowing a lot of their roster up right now and are going to want to be flush with assets. So I could see them saying yes to stuff like that. Um, all that said, I think if it goes like Stroud, then Young, or vice versa, then I don't think that anything's worth it here. And um, trading up for a QB, I, I've been kind of saying, eh, if someone falls around 12, that's kind of when I start to to see what, what teams are offering. But it also depends on what quarterbacks the Vikings are high on and who they prioritize, right? If they don't like Anthony Richardson that much, and you know the first four picks are like CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, a defensive lineman or something at three and then Anthony or, and then like Will Levis and then Anthony Richardson's the only guy left and they don't like him, then they're not going to do this at all. Right. Which kind of leads me to Peter Larson's question, which is, can you see any scenario that the Vikings trade up in the first round for a non QB? I think always with Quasey, I think any trade is always going to be on the table. Like it's just always a possibility. He's a wall street guy. He, he's going to trade. He, he dude's going to trade. <laughs> um, but I don't see like a huge one, right? I don't see it being worth moving up, especially with quarterback on the market when you're bidding against possibly other teams like Washington or Tampa that will also be trying to maybe get a quarterback. You're not going to want to bid against them. They're going to be willing to put more into that because they're going up for a quarterback. And if you're going up for like Joey Porter, uh, sure, you might be into it, but you're not going to want to pay QB premium for not a QB, right? But I think a smaller trade up, like, you know, once the quarterbacks are off the board, let's say, you know, all four of the, the principal quarterbacks are out in the top 10 and that's no longer a thing, then I could see moving up a few spots. Maybe if you if one of the corners you likes really fall, probably a corner is the only thing I would see them doing it for. I don't think like the linebackers are worth it. I don't think the receivers are worth it. I think the like defensive line classes are so flush that I don't know why you would trade up, you know, to get one guy when you could probably stand pat and get a guy that's just as good. Um, but I could see like if Devin Witherspoon starts falling or something like that, which would be nuts. So I think that I think he's gone in the top 10. I'd be shocked if he falls out of it. Um, but something like that. Uh, yeah, I guess I can see that kind of thing happening. Um, speaking of defensive line, I have a whole bunch of other questions here. Um, a lot that I would like to get to. So, let me keep plugging away at this Twitter Tuesday mailbag. But before I do that, let me talk to you about a good old ramble. It's FanDuel. I hope FanDuel likes this bit. Uh, 
At FanDuel, uh, you can bet on anything. You can bet on NFL futures. Vikings over-under is 8.5. The Ravens over-under is fascinating. We were just talking about it on Locked On NFL with them getting Odell Beckham. Uh, They're still at 8.5, but that over has been absolutely hammered. Minus 144 right now. That is as hammered of of an over as I have seen in a good while. Uh, So their under might actually become good value just based on the payout, just because it's so cheap now. But whatever you think you want to do there, you can go bid on uh, bet on that. You can bet on, of course, baseball kicking up. You can bet on basketball or hockey playoffs that are getting underway. You can bet on whatever you want. And if you're new to FanDuel, now is a great time to get started because you can get a no-sweat first bet just by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on when you sign up. That means if you whiff on that first bet, you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. You can bet on anything from game results, money lines, spreads, individual player props like threes or or goals scored. And you can even smash a whole bunch of those together into a parlay and see if you can't hit them all and get a bigger payout. Once again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to get that no sweat first bet. FanDuel, make every moment more. Thanks a million for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Uh, if you get some time after you, you listen to this, I would love it if you went to patreon.com slash NFL. I just put up a video about Cam Smith. I'm going to be doing a lot of corners this week. I've got Deontay Banks coming down, Clark Phillips, hoping to get around to DJ Turner, also hoping to get some wide receivers done, trying to flesh out the, the major positions for the Vikings of this draft board as much as I can in as much detail as I can before the actual day, which is coming up. Let's move on with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Next question comes from Stefan Larson, who says, if the Vikings are going to draft an interior defensive lineman at some point in the draft, what are you looking for in a prospect and anyone you like in particular? Um, For anyone you like in particular, I have not looked at it closely enough. I'm sort of trying to hone in on corner and receiver and quarterback a little bit, and I've looked a little bit at linebacker, but not that much. But I'm, I'm trying to kind of hone in on those positions so I have a really like well-thought-out takes on where I think the Vikings will mostly be plucking from in the top parts of the draft. So I, I will leave the, the specific names to someone else. But what we are looking for is um, flexibility. I do What I, I don't think we need is a guy that lines up at zero tech all day and just only moves at zero tech and doesn't move around at all. Um I, I think somebody that can kind of move at a lot of different positions who you could kind of see playing and, and not like comfortably, right? I don't need somebody who who is like known for being a position hopper or a tweener or whatever, but I need somebody that's like, hey, if you d- put this dude at edge or more importantly, if you looped him around the outside, would that be a huge problem? Would that would that be asking him to do something he's incapable of? Okay, maybe then that then he's not as good of a fit. That's what I think we're looking for in interior D-line guys. And then I just think you need to be able to hold up against a double team. The Vikings, I think, are a little bit weenie right now. They're a little bit, a, a, a little, they could use a little beef after losing a guy like, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, you know, they've got Brian Asamoah out there. They've got, uh, like, Dean Lowry, you know, like, I don't really love how those guys hold up in the run, so I would love a little bit of extra beef. Um, not again, not necessarily in the form of like a uh, uh, Harrison Phillips, big big boy, but in the form of somebody who can hold their spot in the run, but also be useful in other ways. Uh, the missed kick says, "Why is Matsy Smith being projected in round two? He's one of the best nose tackle prospects I've ever seen." Yeah, so he's like an insane athlete. This dude tested out of the roof. Um, I think he's being projected into round two because there is some rawness to his tape. And this is sort of the classic like, well, okay, he's is he good at football or did he, you know, if he jumped out of the gym, then that's great. But is he good at football? 
Um, and if he's not good at football, it means there's assembly required. doesn't mean he won't be good at football. doesn't mean he won't turn out. But you're just going to deflate his value a little bit because now I have to, not only do I have to draft him, but now I have to wait for him to develop. I have to, you know, dedicate a whole bunch of my position coaches' time to him developing in training camp when that time is is very, in, you know, in very high demand. Uh, I have to, you know, he's going to be on a rookie contract for four years, but he's going to suck for the first two of them because he's got to learn or whatever. I, I'm not, again, I'm not familiar with these guys, so I don't know how raw Mossy Smith is uh, or or if, you know, he's somebody that people are maybe just underrating because Jalen Carters are in this draft and maybe it's just a high draft class and he's being projected in round two because that's just when we think that the fourth DT or wherever he falls on your board will go. Um, but the crazy athlete thing will only get you so high. You also have to show a little polish. Boof asks, in the event that we trade down, would it be prudent to draft a wide receiver in the second round given the depth and quality available in the mid-rounds? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Um, if we trade down and we end up getting enough day two capital to come away with a corner and a receiver before pick 87, I, that's one of my favorite outcomes for this whole draft. In terms of who that receiver is, uh, I took A.T. Perry in a mock draft last week. I took Xavier Hutchinson in a mock draft yesterday. I like Jonathan Mingo there. Um, there's what's that that Oklahoma guy people like. I don't know how I feel about him. I haven't watched him, and I, I it's, he's a little bit muddy to me his his eval, but it was productive. So there's that. Um, yeah, there's a there's a, a really thick band of these kind of day two or three wide receiver or these day two ish wide receivers, and then there's a whole bunch of day one wide receivers that probably should be day two wide receivers, but they're just gonna go a little higher because they have like one trait that's super super crazy, like Zay Flowers, uh, or just because. Like with Quentin Johnston, who he's, you know, just the uh, an actually good sized body next to all these small guys. So he's going to get like, I feel like the day one guys, the first round guys are just like naturally going to get a little overdrafted just because of the nature of this class. You know, when everyone is a second round pick, someone has to be a first round pick, you know. Um, but if we can trade back and get any of these guys somewhere, I don't know, 60s, 70s, somewhere in that range, that'd be pretty sick. Um, Bradley Nor asks, can you explain the difference and importance between O'Connell willing to change his scheme in just a year compared to McVeigh and Shanahan who stick to their scheme? I don't, I don't think these guys do stick to their scheme in, in the way that you're thinking of. Um, and, and if stick to your scheme describes what Kyle Shanahan does, then I would say Kevin O'Connell is also sticking to his scheme. He's not moving from a wide zone to like a, a, some spread nonsense or something. You know, he's not going to, to some like read option thing. Um, I think he's kind of going from from one end to the other. I compare McVeigh and Shanahan because both of those guys have had a ton of offensive success doing it in different ways. And I think that it's a good proof of concept for like, okay, these are both entirely viable ways of doing things. And it's a matter of preference. It's a matter of who you have and what they're capable of and what they're comfortable with. Um, and so they're interesting to compare each other. But Kyle Shanahan changes schematic stuff all the time. Sean McVay has, I think, gone through a lot of the same schematic changes Kevin O'Connell is going through right now. And he'll probably uh, follow in those McVay-ish footsteps a little bit, too. And Sean McVay has, has done a lot of the same stuff that Shanahan has done. Kyle Shanahan has tailored, and this is, I think, what makes him one of the best offensive designers in football. He has tailored what he does on offense to the players he has. His offense is designed to maximize the tight end. Whatever, what offense would you ever do from scratch? I mean, like you have George Kittle, so you do it, right? But if you just had like generic just a guys at every position, you know, or like equal talent at, at all positions, you would never do that, right? You would, you would try to maximize the receiver. Um, 
that's what what Shanahan does. And and as you know, Christian McCaffrey's come in, things change when that you know was a little different when that guy was like Raheem Mostert. Um, yeah, that. So I, I I don't think that that it's true that like O'Connell is like a more adaptable person. His flexibility does seem really great. I just don't. I think that that McVeigh and Shanahan share that trait a little more than you're giving them credit for. Um, Skull Page has another one who says, should the Vikings prioritize press man corners to fit the Flores scheme or scheme diverse corners, knowing that Flores may be gone after a year or two? This is up to them. I think both of these can be fine. Um, a, I think off man is probably a, a better way to, to describe a Flores corner. Press is great, but because they do a lot of cover zero, there's going to be a lot of blitzing. With no safety over the top of you, you can't afford to play press. They probably won't be allowed to play press in those blitz looks. That would be suicide. So that's one thing I would say. Off man is kind of what I've been looking for the most. Um, but the world where Brian Flores is gone is in a year or two. Like, think about that scenario. Brian Flores installs a defense. The defense clearly has gone well because he's getting hired away, right? You're probably keeping the same scheme. You might even promote somebody off of the staff that Brian Flores has built to continue to run the same scheme. So you would get corners for that scheme. Um, I don't think, and there was another person who who asked this something about this with like Cam Bynum. I guess we'll go. It's from a Purple Drink who says, what can we expect from Bynum? He was a corner in college and then drafted to be a safety. So he had to learn a new position and then he had to learn a new scheme. And now he's got to learn another new scheme. Um, yeah, that kind of thing you don't want to do to players a lot. So I, I would say either there are like divide Brian Flores's outcomes into three categories. The one where he's so good that he gets hired, the one where he's so bad that he gets fired and then just call the rest of them something in between. If he's so good, he gets hired. That means that we should stick with this defensive scheme, right? Get another person off of that tree. Get another Belichick-y person with, with a lot of high blitz rates and stuff, and let's just keep going at this. And then, you know, you can get personnel that fits the Flores scheme. You're just going to get a different guy to run it. It's like going from Gary Kubiak to Clint Kubiak. We're not changing entire schemes. Every coach does not come with their own uh, specific little playbook of schemes like like their Yu-Gi-Oh decks. It's, <laughs> there, there's families to this, and there's a lot of familiarity and overlap within the same tree. In the world where Flores gets fired, well, then probably a lot more went wrong. And whether or not a guy was a scheme fit for Flores is uh, probably a drop in the bucket. If you want to go to like a whole nother new scheme, that's, I think, something you have to take in that in stride in that situation. But you probably shouldn't try to like preempt that. Uh, and then in, in some kind of medium scenario, Brian Flores stays on. So you're good to have a scheme fit, too. So, yeah, get guys that will be good now. <laughs> I don't think we have to think that hard about where the Vikings are going to be in five years if they're still going to be running the same scheme, should we get a guy like to get a guy that's let's let's try to have a good defense for once first instead of the horror show that has been for the last three years. Um, Jacob Tobin asks. Oh, and sorry, uh, with Purple Drink for Bynum. Yes, I share this concern. I, I think this is not great for him. Um, I think right now the immediate short term ex expectation that's right in front of them is he competes with Lewis Seen, and if he loses a job to Lewis Seen, he probably goes into a rotational role, of uh, uh, like really solid depth. I think that's the best case scenario. Is Lewis Seen kind of has this, you know, second year he comes on, he's he's a little better, and then um, Bynum, you know, turns into depth. And if Bynum does continue to win the job, well, then clearly he's doing all right. I have a whole bunch more questions. I will get to them. But before I do so, let me talk to you about my new favorite phone game. It is Ultimate Football GM. This is a lot of what we're talking about. You got to go through the draft. You have to negotiate contracts, hire the right staff, and build a football dynasty right there on your phone, right when you're on the toilet or whatever. Um, 
You can find that at ultimate-gm.com, or you can just search out Ultimate Football GM on the App Store. I've had people sending me, like, the most unhinged screenshots from this game. (laughs) You guys have figured out how to break it, and I love it. Please keep sending me your broken Ultimate Football GM saves. Um, I I saw one where the Vikings somehow acquired all 10, the entire top 10 of a draft somehow. Um, Somebody had managed to win, like, a couple Super Bowls, but then was, like, 100 mil over the cap. (laughs) <laughs> and then couldn't couldn't play anymore and had to restart. Uh, I I love the the little situations that you guys get yourself into with this game. It's so much fun. Uh, so go to ultimate football ultimate dash gm dot com or you can just search out ultimate pro football gm uh, on the app store. And right now, locked on listeners get a one hundred percent boost by using promo code locked on when you get started. Once again, that is ultimate dash gm dot com. Ultimate football gm. Start your dynasty today. Let's wrap up this Twitter Tuesday mailbag. Got a few more questions left that I want to make sure that I get to. The next one comes from Jacob Tobin, who says, how likely do you think Kirk is to get extended if the Vikings do not draft a QB during the 2023 draft? I mean, the odds go way up, right? I think it's like super contingent on this. And long-term extension, I think is really, really unlikely. With with what we've been reported, if you're going to take the Access Vikings report to heart, which I do, I, and Kramer and Gessling are not hacks by any means, like those guys you can trust, I think. And they reported that the Vikings turned down a contract offer, basically, from Kirk Cousins' camp that included 2025 being fully guaranteed. Like, that, that was a problem for them, that they did not want to fully guarantee 2025. To me, that means they do not want to commit to this dude long-term, right? Uh, so if he gets extended, I think it's a one year extension. That's a bridge extension. It's all right. We struck out on 2023. We're going to go figure out if we like any of these 2024 quarterbacks, which they probably already have an opinion on. Like there's nothing like these guys can go scout UNC, right. And USC, right. Like they probably already have their opinion on that. And if they like one of those guys that they really want to stick with, then they'll figure out how to start lining themselves up to do that. Maybe they trade down in the draft. Maybe they trade picks into next year so that they have extra ammo to trade up if they have to, depending on where they finish and all that stuff. Uh, But because they probably don't want to go into the draft without a quarterback under contract, they probably don't want to be in that situation, you add one more year to Kirk Cousins so that you can be in the same spot where you go, hey, I love that quarterback. He needs a year to develop, but we have that. You know how we can like feel really good about drafting Anthony Richardson because we have Kirk Cousins on the roster right now and he can play for that last year while Richardson develops. You can run that thing back, right? You can play that card again next year if you give Kirk Cousins another year, assuming you strike out at 2023. But here's what would shock me is if I I would honestly be really surprised if Kirk Cousins was a quarterback by 2025. It's going to be someone else. Who that is, how they figure it out, who's to say, a lot of luck involved, a lot of roulette spinning involved, but I would be pretty shocked if Cousins was the quarterback past 2024 could see it in 24 if if it ends up going that way depending on how drafts go but past 24 would be pretty pretty crazy school actuary asks what criteria goes into deciding how many void years to give someone or any at all um it's a math puzzle basically void years are not i mean yeah they, they have nothing to do with the merit of the player i think it's all just about contract structure figuring out cap space and it's just one of those tools you have whether or not a guy has void years has no impact on how well he plays, right? Um, but I, I think the way to think about it is as a way of taking money and pushing it that is 
that that can push money further down the road than just restructuring a deal can, right? If you have a one-year contract, you can't restructure that contract um, and, you know, push money through the rest of the life of that contract. There is no life of that contract to push it through. Void years give that contract extra years to push the, the money into. And then, yeah, it accelerates when he voids out next year. But if you think about it this way, let's say you have a, a one-year deal for $10 million. It's you super easy numbers here. And you want to cut that deal in half. You want to say, I only want to pay you five mil this year. Uh, and that means I'll have to pay five mil next year. I want to cut this into two different $5 million chunks. That's way easier to deal with, you know, five years, five million in two different years. I love to spread it out. That makes the burden easier. And to do that, you would have to do void years. So how would you do that? Like, think about how you would do that. If that was the goal, I just want to push $5 million into next year. Uh, and I can use void years to do so, but I don't, but the, the player's not going to renegotiate his contract. Um, the easiest answer is add a void year onto that contract and convert the entire salary to signing bonus. Of course, you can't entirely do that. There has to be a minimum salary, right? So you can't do all of that. But what if you did, for example, you added two void years, right? Two extra years on the end, and you converted seven and a half million to signing bonus. That would make 2.5, 2.5, 2.5. You've just moved two inst two chunks of two and a half million, adding up to five into future years. He voids the contract will void out and those will smash back together. But that was the point, right? We did it. That's the way that void years work. And it's just a, a matter of a puzzle saying, okay, do I need to make five million dollars out of this because we're trying to sign blah blah blah? You know, do I need to make six or four or whatever? And and just figuring out that math puzzle. That's all it is. Dennis asks, what level of competition do you think the XFL is currently at? At above or below college football? Above college football for sure. The XFL is made of players that were all conference that were considered in the draft. Maybe some of them were undrafted players, but those players were all good college players. These are these would be college all-star teams, um, all conference teams, basically. They all, you know, they all didn't work out in the NFL for one reason or another, but the standards is, is a lot higher in the NFL, so we shouldn't um undercorrect to that, right? But you know, if you put them against some of the best college programs, like how many players on the Georgia Bulldogs would would like start on XFL teams? Probably not all of them. How many players on XFL teams would start on XFL teams? Definitionally, all of them. So, yeah, I think I think it's definitely above the level of uh, college football. And the XFL is very fun. They had an absolutely fantastic weekend of football. All the games were within like one point. Two of them went to overtime. The new overtime uh, format is really cool. You all should check it out if you haven't already. JV Swap says, if the Vikings were picking at one overall, who would you draft? Trading is not on the table. Me, I'm a Stroud guy. Uh, if you if you want to come at me and say that you're you would take Bryce Young instead, I'm not really going to argue with you. I get it. Um, I like C.J. Stroud. I think he's a little bit more complete. Um, and even though he doesn't have the Fran Tarkenton esque, and I really do think that's the best comp for Bryce Young, um, the Fran Tarkenton esque scrambling unbelievableness that uh, Bryce Young has, I think he's just a little bit more consistent around the board. He's got you know, of course, he doesn't have the he's really short problem. Uh, that that Bryce Young comes with, so that's why I like Stroud. But I like Stroud by about this much. And for those who can't see, it's not much. <laughs> I like don't 
think that there's a gigantic distinction. I could see the Panthers going either way, and I'd be pretty sympathetic to either way. But personally, I'd take Stroud. Um, and I'd be you know, really, really happy with that if I were a Panthers fan. They're in a, in a very good spot after trading up. Last one here on the Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast comes from Stefan Larson again, who says, thoughts on the new D&D movie? Um, yeah, <laughs> the... So I, I, I uh, have been known to roll a die or two, all right? I've been known to game a bit. Um, and they did a really good job of simulating the experience of a D&D game. If you walked out of that thinking, man, I thought that was going to be like a lot more like hard fantasy and dramatic because isn't this like a whole bunch of nerd stuff? They really made that lighthearted and fun. If you've ever played a D&D game, um, a D&D party is a group of the stupidest idiots in the world, and that's what makes it fun. It, it's just all kinds of hold my beer energy. And that is that is what makes that that game fun. They did a lot of really fun stuff. I don't want to spoil anything, but they did a lot of really fun stuff that I could really pick out and be like, aha, I know what moment that was at the table. <laughs> uh, good time. I, don't let it get overhyped, though. I think it's getting it might be getting a little overhyped. Don't set up your expectations that this is going to be the most fun movie you've ever seen. It's a good time. Grab some popcorn, turn your brain off. Have a good time. All right. Talk to you all tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about Jonathan Mingo. I've been watching him. I've got some thoughts to share. So maybe we'll talk about that or some other guys. I will see you all tomorrow. Check out Locked On NFL Draft Scouting with the the duo formerly known as the Draft Dudes. They are now doing a daily podcast about the, the NFL Draft. You can get a whole bunch of information from Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino there. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.